Tomorrows. Welcome to Out of the Podcast. September. We're still coming at you. Still here. Still here. It's not going anywhere. Yep. For the whole month. You like September? Um, I like the song uh, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> it's a good one. You ever make um, a, a playlist of all like the, the month songs? I always think about doing that, but I haven't executed it. I should. I don't know how many oh. other September songs there are. September Girls is probably the only other one I know. I was waiting for that. You know yeah. what? My friend Dan, gentleman Joey here to say, I'm going to take this segue since you're giving it to me. Go for it. I uh, went to see Green Day Weezer this weekend. How was that? They have uh, Green Day has that September song. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the segue I'm going for. It was fun. It was good. It did was they play that song? They did play that song. Yes, okay. Yes. They, they played some, some classics, though, which was fun to see. And uh, yes, and uh, I, there was unfortunately some Fallout Boy that uh, I was tasked with. It was the first time I've heard like most of these songs. People love that band, is what they I They do. Like. They do. They love that band and they love uh, Beverly Hills by Weezer. Yeah, it's weird. People and, do uh, love their, that song. And their Africa cover. Oh, it's so, that's so bad. People that's were going a... ape shit. Really? Yes. But because of, although I will say, I, I, the last time I saw Weezer, they played the song, but. Uh, because of this tour, you had to play El Scorcho. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you got to do that Green Day shout out. Yeah, exactly. On the fucking tour. So that was cool. And uh, Hershey Park hadn't been there since eighth grade class trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was surreal. It was cool. Do you get to Biggest walk on show the show I ever been to. Not really. It was it was an all business trip for the most part. And like mm-hmm. the, the stadium section was kind of a different thing. But you, you can right. see like roller coasters. It was no chocolate was or anything. That? Unfortunately, there was some bad internet there. Yeah. No chocolate. chocolate. I, I came, yeah. I came, it, yeah, it, it caught me at the time of like, holy shit, I'm, I got to make some better life choices with eating. So <laughs> it wasn't a good time to go to Hershey. Yeah, probably not. Well, it seems like you did pretty well though. It was a good time. Uh, yeah. Very fun drive. Did the avoid highway portion of the drive. So it was just all scenic Pennsylvania. Nice. It was, it was lovely. Had a great time. Cool. It's good to hear. Biggest show I ever been to for sure. Never, never really done one of these stadium shows. Really? Long way from the basement, huh? Yeah, um, I have to say, I'm, I'm not really a fan. I try to avoid them when possible. Um, a few years ago, I think the last one I had an opportunity to go to that, like, I had a last-minute chance to go to, and I ended up, I just didn't want to deal with it, was Depeche Mode was playing. Oh, interesting. And as much as, much as I love Depeche Mode, I've never seen them. I just, I don't think I could have dealt with just a gigantic crowd. Like, I'm just not, not in it. Absolutely. No, I mean, most of the time I would say avoid it. But, you know, the, there's certain things that kind of call for it. Yeah. And you can put yourself in that zone. And I think it helped that, you know, I've had these tickets for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah which yeah, I've yeah. never had anything like that. So it was like, we're coming out of the pandemic. It's just a fun time. Good outdoor show. Right. Oh, that's all I got on that. Cool. Other than that, just a good little week. I, I, I don't know if I ever mentioned on the show, but I've been doing remote work. I'm finally remote from work. And mm-hmm. man, I love that stuff. I ain't never going back. It's a good time, right? Ah, the best time. Yeah. And it's just like a real lax system with this job where like, if I just need to punch out and handle some business, head to the FedEx, you know, you can tell I just saw Weezer because I said the FedEx. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I was also concerned about what the quote unquote business that you're taking care of was. So that I guess I just mean going concerned. to the post office, right, you know, right, the, right. the business I run, Dan. Right. Uh, yes. Just doing that kind of stuff. But then I could come back and just get back to it. You know, it's like a, it's relaxing. No, for sure. For sure. It did give you more flexibility. Yes. And I feel like I've earned it, you know, like. Yeah, I think you've earned it. I'm an old old man now, Dan. Got a retiring style. 
it's truly amazing how used to it you get. Cause I was definitely adverse to it at first. Like I was definitely not a fan of it, but over time, like I actually prefer it now too. So Absolutely. I'm, yeah. It, it just, it's so much better. I actually got it from some other jobs. The, the last two actually, I've got to taste life with the remote stuff. Mm-hmm. One during the pandemic, the one was before it, but it was just like, Oh, this is possible. I want this. So yes, I recommend everybody out there try to just get some remote work. Mm-hmm. Get some remote work, get a friend, and it'll be fine. I just remember one of the older people in the office was like, you know, really bummed about going remote because he wouldn't get to see anybody. If, you, right. if the office is the, your friendships, these are red flags, sir. Yeah, it's... Uh, They're yeah. great people. Of course, you're going to hang out with a few outside of work if you're lucky, but for the yeah. most part, you got to have some outside relationships Yeah. to live a fulfilling life, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I think there is a separation. There's there's like the work life and then your regular life, <laughs> you know? You want, yes, you don't yeah. want worlds to collide, as yes, Costanza said. Exactly. Like that's worlds colliding sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't work. I hate to collide worlds. I yes. need everything separate. Yeah. Yes. The offspring was correct in this case. That's what that song's about, right? That is true. Yes. Everyone thought it was about uh, laundry and keeping your colors and white separated. Exactly. But no. that's actually not the case. That's a nope. myth. It's a rumor. Yep. Dexter can attest to that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Noodles, you know, it's tough to get yeah. a read on. But yeah. Did you see they had the drummer face to face in that band for a minute? And then he I, did, he, I did not. There was some a story going around because he had to leave the band because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Oh, yeah, I did. I did hear that. Yeah. But it was then you would catch that clickbait. It was just because, you know, he had issues immunocompromised, like had reactions to vaccines when he was young. Yeah. So it was just not a good idea for him. Right. And it was very like amicable. And it was like, ah, you got me there. Yeah. This article. But I appreciated everyone saying you got to keep them vaccinated. That was yes. Worth- I did it was worth that. it for yes. that bit. Yes. I feel like that's how we all caught it. Most definitely. I feel like that's it, Dan. I got nothing else on the docket. You ready to hit the West? You got something? I'm sorry. I should have asked. It's okay. Um, powering through. The only thing I was going to say was I wanted to do a quick follow-up on uh, the Godfather uh, oh, right. trilogy because I, I did watch oh, the last oh one. Oh, my gosh. So I, fe- I feel like this was an important thing Uh-oh. to add. Internet. The back? Yes. Okay. We're back. So I watched the th- I watched part three. Original cut. Uh, no, so I think, I think I was mistaken. So the Blu-ray box that I got, it, it came out in 2019, and it says like the, it's like the Coppola – edition or whatever so i think it might be like whatever like the cut that he wanted well did it have that like crazy name like they changed the title too oh did they it's uh i don't think it said that the godfather coda the death of michael corleone no that yeah i I feel like this is traditional because i feel like that just came out last year okay so yeah no then it's not no okay the, the original one original cut yes What'd you think of this uh, hunk of meat that was presented to you? You know what? Here we go. I, I didn't hate it. it. Obviously, it's definitely not as good as the other two. I mean, that, that's pretty much a fact. You think? Yeah, I didn't. But I didn't. I didn't hate it. Like I didn't necessarily like. You know, there's definitely some cringy things in it that I thought were kind of eh. But yeah. uh, you know, there were parts I liked. I, I I found it entertaining and enjoyable. Like I didn't find it like unwatchable or anything. You know, I think um, it helps with the lens of, this is 2021. Yeah. Welcome to the show and to the decade. There, it, there's been, at that time, it was just like, oh, this is not a good movie. Right. But since then, we've had just countless worse movies. Yes. Even from Coppola himself. So it's like, now you can go back to and be like, 
It's not the worst. Right. It's just not like God tier level movie making. Right. And yeah, I mean, you definitely need to make that distinction. But yeah, I, I just, yeah. This I was mean, something that, I meant to ask you too. I apologize, sure. Dan. What's your relationship with Coppola in general? Have you seen a lot of his films? Apocalypse Now? No, I've never seen that. One, I, I mean, that's, that's yeah. the one for me. I know, that's, I know that's a big one, but I've actually it's never seen it. Definitely worth going to. So I would say, especially, you know, hey, you're, you got a theme here. Why not ride it? Yeah. With a conversation, that's him, right? With Gene Hackman? I've wanted to see that. It's been on, it's been on my list for a while, but i Neo Noir in, yeah. in a bit of a way. Um, yeah. And what about like Outsiders? No, I haven't seen that either. So Rumble I guess Fish. not. Yes, Rumblefish I do have. You did see? Like, oh, yes. You saw Rumblefish, okay. Yes, that's on Criterion. I have Criterion, I feel like yes. that's how they got you. And it's got um, D- Diane Lane, so that, that gets me too. So. You know what? If only she was in more of them, huh? <laughs> yes. Although it does have a lot of the same cast of The Outsiders. Like, they're it pretty does. much made back-to-back. It does, so yes. That's, that's a good time. Yeah, Rumble I thought Fish Rumblefish is okay. Yeah, yeah I, it, it's fine. It's about as good as Godfather 3. Maybe yeah. a little, little better. I would say maybe a little better. A little better. It's, it's been um, a while since I've seen it, but I, from what I remember, a little, I liked it a little bit more. What about Dracula? Bram Stoker's Dracula. You remember that one from the no. 90s? I, I remember it. I, I never saw it. Oh, that was like a big movie for me when I was a kid. We're checking out some cool set pieces for sure and some insane performances. Gary Oldman is good in it. What about Jack? Like the Robin Williams movie? Yeah, did you know he directed that? Francis Ford Coppola did? Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> I did not know that. I, I saw that in the, I thought in the theater, actually. There it is. All right. We figured out what kind of Coppola fan you are. Yes. We I mean, found, we found your does, medium. That does is, not seem like a film. Isn't that a mind blower? Yeah. I am a little bit skeptical, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I promise I am not leading you down a rabbit hole to nothing, sir. This is a true fact. Yeah. Okay. Jack. I am double checking right now. What was that, 1997, right? Maybe 96. Maybe 96, yeah. I'm allowing this double check was, just because it makes it funnier. Yes. But I am... It is right. It is right. Yes, what, yes. That is so bizarre. And it does. It also has Diane Lane in it. So There you go. That makes so total that's, sense. That could have been the first time you fell in love with him. Could be. Or all of us, maybe. You know, maybe we're all just been like, wow, we really love Jack this whole time. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez in that too, right? Yeah, and Is Fran Drescher. Yeah, oh, you gotta get Fran Drescher. You gotta get Fran Drescher. Shout out to Fran Drescher. The she been a good femme fatale, huh? Yeah. I, I, love, I love her in Dr. Detroit. Uh, I'm a huge Dr. Detroit fan, so I... Uh, she's great. Yeah, big fan. And in, and in Spinal Tap, too. She's great. Anything else, Dan? Nope, that's about it. I, uh, I just wanted to give a quick progress report. I know our listeners are probably eagerly... I don't know. This internet stuff's happening again. This is going to be such an interesting episode. I hope that's the last time. What did you say, Dan? I said, I said, uh, I just wanted to make sure that all the uh, interested listeners would be uh, want to know the uh, the saga of my Godfather experience. Absolutely, I wanted to know it too. I would yes. kick myself in the edit if I let that go on. So I'm glad to hear. Um, uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, just when I think I'm out, they're pulling me back in. You like that? I mean, I've that was the only scene I knew from that movie. Like I've seen just that scene. And I think we said this before, but like you totally expect it to be in like number two or something. What a classic sequel line, but no no no. Years later. Very much so. Yeah. I mean it's funny. I mean What do you think (laughs) uh Sofia Coppola's death on the stairs there at the end? Um that whole sequence at the end was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like the whole ending sequence at the um the uh I guess it was like an opera. Yeah, I want to say um, cathedral uh, or something, but yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, where there's a lot of stairs, one of those yes. places. That whole that whole sequence through the end, I really liked, and the part where 
they're all in the uh, casino at the hotel in Atlantic City. And then the, the helicopter comes in and, and gets everybody in the, uh, all the, the families coming together to talk. And, the, and I forget the guy's name now, but the one competitor guy that they were kind of Andy Garcia, against. or is he, no, he's like marrying into the family, right? Yeah, no, the other guy, I can't think of the guy's name, um, but the guy that they were, they were going against. Um, no, Robert Duvall in this third one. No. And that's I think probably I, its ultimate failing. Because there was so died. much. I think he had died. They had written off that he had died. Yeah. Yes. Because I believe he refused to do the film because he was like, why would we do this? <laughs> yes. I feel like that and, happens to a lot of sequels. <laughs> but he's such an important factor. Like, it, the most reasoning you could give for a third movie relies on, like, him, his character and the fact that, you know, that he was being built up and then shut out within the family and right. all that, those hijinks. Instead, you get Andy Garcia. Ain't that how life works? Yep. You ready to get a little little Andy Garcia for this episode? Yeah, I've actually, uh, I've been kind of dreading this episode. Here (laughs) we go, Dan. I'm ready. Do you ever watch The People's Court, Dan? Uh, a very long time ago, yes. Yeah, remember the 90s one? Yes. That's probably the one I probably remember. Judge Wapner, that bald yes. guy? Yes, yes, Shout yes. Shout out to the estate of Judge Wapner. Dan, we're taking you to The People's Court. This was a Dan-suggested movie, The Naked Spur. We're in Technicolor. Released February 1st, 1953 from MGM Pictures. Directed by Anthony Mann. Screenplay by Sam Rolfe and Harold Jack Blue. Why did we watch this movie, Dan? We watched this movie because I remember we were having a conversation back when we did, um, what's it called? Blood on the Moon? Blood on the Moon, yes, thank you. Um, Where we wanted to try to find other film noir-ish westerns. And when I did a a Google search uh, and did some research on my own, this one popped up. um, Mm -hmm. And I noticed the cast too. And I was thinking, okay, this might be an interesting one to do. Have you found that Google search again to see why it said that i found there was a couple blogs that talked about it i googled the same thing afterwards in uh-huh. complete baffle i've actually been holding on to these feelings inside uh-huh. me for two days i watched this before my big trip okay uh and then we had to schedule the episode for today here we are mm-hmm. uh <laughs> i'm waiting the whole time for something to kick in and this thing ends and i you know we just watched a straight-up Western. This is a straight-up Western. I got yeah. nothing I could say in any way whatsoever that suggests this is a noir film at all, yeah. other than some, some old favorites. That's the best I can give you. Yeah, and I think that's what's a little bit disappointing. I mean, you have the, the actor. A lot of the actors themselves are famously in a lot of film noirs. The director, man, uh, directed a lot of film noir. I, I think there are arguments you could make that some of the elements are, are somewhat reminiscent of film noir tropes i don't think so these are western tropes i mean a bounty hunter collecting a bounty is as western as it gets you know that's where the wanted posters come from i mean this is that i was trying to find that in that lens and there was nothing Mm -hmm. i thought janet lee might be like playing these guys be a bit of femme fatale role but Mm -hmm. there was nothing we were we were maybe in the shadows for two seconds and for a night scene (laughs) yeah and then that was it Uh, i liked the movie though did you see i didn't like the movie Okay. Yeah. All right. This is going to be, I could 
see how we're dreading this episode now. Yeah, I, I was like, and, and, and no, I, well, I agree with you in general. I, in general, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much a Western. Like, and I, I wanted it. I mean, Blood yeah. on the Moon was such a fun experience. We actually right. have another Western noir, allegedly, neither of us have seen, I believe, that was suggested to us yes. coming up next month, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or this month. Uh, soon. Soon. <laughs> Stay tuned. Soon's we'll a good word. To it. Yeah, soon is the word here. And um, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it's something I want. I just, I was shocked. I was, I was looking so hard. I mean, at first yeah. I was just enjoying the ride, and then I, all of a sudden it, it called for to be put under a microscope. But I don't know. Well, I mean, just I definitely still hate James Stewart. This didn't help in that regard <laughs> at all. But it, it did make me love Robert Ryan more. Great Robert Ryan performance. He was He's my favorite part of the movie. Having a blast yeah. the whole time. Ralph Meeker was good, too. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm calling him Mike Hammer the whole time. <laughs> I was thinking we did back, back-to-back Meekers, you know. And, and I almost put this off because of that. We almost did this immediately after Vertigo, which would have been insane. Yes. So that, I mean, this movie's been waiting for us for a long time. So I think that's kind of helped with the buildup as well. I think some of the, the arguments that I saw made by a couple of different blogs that talked about this was that there's some, some of the, like the, the dark vibe, like, like there's a lot of like ugliness to this movie. That I mean, again, you could have that in a Western too, but I think they were just kind of comparing it saying, I guess, cause there's not many Western film noirs. I mean, that, that's not really, a lot of times they're not really compatible. Yeah. Um, cause they're very different. Right. Um, typically. And when it happens, I feel like, I mean, obviously it's like nobody was seeking out to do that. Right. Right. It just happened to be like they get a cinematographer who came from film noir. Right. Or just, you know, just accidental, you know, budgetary, I believe, was a lot of what Blood of the Moon ended up looking. Yes. Looking like that, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, it's it's an enticing concept that we're trying to find. I, I mean, I'm going to I can't say we we're not going to discontinue the hunt. I no, think I mean, you know, I, as yeah. any good scholars, we're going to be looking for something like that. We, we'd love to find, you know, maybe we'll find a film noir musical or or something you know like we'd we'd love to find more of these angles it's fun when you can find something like that but i just don't think shady decisions and characters are exclusive to film noir i'm thinking like shadows or i'm thinking like crazy twist endings where people get theirs and it almost started to feel like that once we got to the end of this but it it just the ending actually i hated the ending (laughs) yes i like the movie i hated the ending I will say that I agree with you that, yes, we, I, I do like the idea of branching out. And I think we were certainly trying to do that in this case of, of trying to find stuff that's maybe not your more typical film noir where it has like kind of checks all the, the typical boxes that you would find. And it's uh, tough because I, it's, this makes the case for something I don't want to do with the podcast, which is watch these movies in advance. If I think if we have the opportunity to come in blind, I think those make for better episodes for everybody. Or at least one of us. I think at least one of us. I, I like yeah. when it's, I think for both of us, if it's possible, just yeah. because you're getting real reactions from us, it, it puts the listener at, this, at the same level as us, I think. I, I enjoy when that happens. Those are my favorite episodes of the podcast. Well, having but said I that, would say that this kind of is in the, in the case of like, I, someone, I wish someone would have watched this and, and said, you know what, good movie, but let's not waste our time on the episode. I, yeah. I mean, I struggle even doing a traditional episode with this movie, you know? But, I, I, you know, we'll power through, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, say stuff that... we liked, I guess, stuff that stood out that we didn't like. I mean, you get Ninja Star Spurs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I, mean, I want to put that on the list of things I didn't like. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, there's, yeah, insane. there's definitely things I, I did like about it. But in general, I was I think I was a little bit underwhelmed. I think based on the description, what I've read about the film before, like kind of going to, I just knew a little bit about it. 
and then watching it, knowing the cast that was involved, because I like everybody in the cat in the main cast. Yeah. Um, I, I just felt very underwhelmed. Especially, I'm I'm very hungry for Robert Ryan right now. I've been taking in anything I can get, so he was welcome. And I mean, I was still hype on on Ralph Meeker, so it was yep. great to see him. Janet um, Lee's great. I always like her. Millard Mitchell was was good. I, this yeah. is his second to last role, and I, I say he did a good job. You know, it's, I like role uh, movies too, where it's like there's only five speaking parts in this movie yeah you get some native americans on horses briefly and then that's it it's a small cast and also that, a little bit underwhelmed by the print i mean i don't know if you have the same, you've watched did you watch the do you have this dvd version this one i do have this dvd okay. version and i did not like it it did not look good <laughs> no i and there's on the internet the you know archive database i believe it's called or whatever you know your, your archive.org where you can yeah. find a lot of free stuff that's being archived on the internet they have this movie available there i don't know if it's available because of public domain in a sense or maybe that prints you know there may be some technicalities but i found that download and i was like this is okay but let me get this dvd i think it'll do better and it's exactly the same wow <laughs> um i w- but as far as compliments i have to give the, to the dvd although now that i'm looking on the back of this and i'm noticing there's a, a huge error there's text missing on the special features at the bottom there where you see under by the languages there's just a huge gap towards the right Film yeah. only. There was a cartoon short, Tex Avery cartoon short on here because it's MGM and a lot of times they'll throw like the movie that they showed at the same time or right. something appropriate for the era. That was a good time. Little Johnny Jet. I should probably that? go back and watch that. Give that a watch. Then they also have one another short on here that's live action and it's just like mostly narrated while someone like is around the house and all these hijinks ensue. That was pretty dumb. I don't know how that was ever appealable to people, but Great cartoon. Good to see Tex Avery. You know, in that sense, worth getting because I don't know if that's currently available anywhere. Uh, Warner yeah. Archive's been putting out some Tex Avery collections, which I have been getting. They're up to volume two so far, so maybe it's coming, but that was cool. Theatrical trailer was there. Yeah, I mean, it's an alright DVD. I didn't, I didn't mind too much, but I mean, it's Technicolor. You really want this thing to pop, and it just felt like there was no reason for a print of this quality. It could have been much better. Yeah. But maybe there's a, a Blu-ray coming at some point, which I don't think we'll pursue. <laughs> Probably not. No. I, I say, like I said, I watch this movie. There's some, there's some fun stuff in here. I mean, you get Robert Ryan right off the bat. He's like, he's he's a wanted man. Ben Vandergoat is who he plays, and uh, he's in flannel the whole time, which is cool. And he's a lot got, of flannel. Like, real scruffy, messed up hair, just looking like an outlaw, and he is just having a blast this whole time. He's just laughing it up, and uh, yeah, he just begins the movie, and most of the movie just hucking rocks at people. Yeah. <laughs> just hucking boulders from the top of a hill uh and then you get wow, james stewart coming in and oh boy howard kemp this guy sucks so much can't climb a mountain for shit i don't know why he was trying they're like lassoing their way up mountains that was a little little rough for me yeah his, his always his first thought was always to just i have to climb this mountain i can't climb there's no, there's no other out. way around to get up there yeah and there is yeah every time there's yeah. a way up there. I will say I didn't, as much as I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not a huge James Stewart fan. I don't mind him, in, depending right. on the role. But I just think he, I don't think he was very good in this role. Like, I don't no. think, seeing him as like this bounty hunter cowboy guy, it just, it didn't work for me. I just not wasn't. Not at all. I just wasn't, it wasn't believable for me. I almost wish him and uh, Robert Ryan switch roles, you know. I think that could have been interesting. That would have been interesting to see him kind of play that role. I think that probably because they felt like maybe Robert Ryan was better, obviously better suited to play that role that he was in. So that's probably what fueled that. 
I say you just hand Robert Ryan a script and say, what do you want to do? We'll work around <laughs> you completely. You, you got the good sir. Yeah, maybe, on- maybe that happened. Maybe, maybe he picked it. I don't, who knows? He came in and he's like, listen, guys, I'm on Mount Warmore over here. Yeah. So what are we doing? Yeah, we I get the go pick. Go to the West this time. Maybe his yep. agent sold this as a noir western as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably real. I mean, obviously, noir wasn't necessarily like like a thing back then. So I mean, I don't think anybody was throwing that term around. But I think they weren't necessarily as conscious of that. So, but I, again, you know, I go back to like Anthony Mann also did a lot of film noir movies. Janet Lee, Meeker, Ryan have all done film noirs. I mean, Robert we've Ryan seen all of them at this point. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like I think all of the ingredients are there, and they've all done those type of films. But ultimately, the, the end result was just it didn't come out as film noir-y as we would may have hoped. I think that's the bottom line, I think, for me. Yes. The, the ingredients are there, but it didn't, it didn't make the, the meal. That's just it, because there's enough there to keep you wondering if right. it can happen throughout. Yeah. Pretty much entirely to the end, because like, there might be some twist coming here or something. Yeah. But, Could be uh, a shadow somewhere. So, yeah, and then also you got Millard Mitchell, who plays Jesse Tate. He's this old guy. He's a prospector. We're in the, the Rocky Mountains of Colorado in 1868. There's going to be a lot of historical inaccuracies because yes. it's Hollywood. It's a Western. That's just how these things go. He, he gets him to help out getting Ben Vandergoat. He's showing him a wanted poster, but it has the amount of money torn off. So it just looks like a wanted poster. Maybe he's just like a, a sheriff or something looking after him. But now Howard Kemp's a piece of shit. He lost his like ranch. And he's trying to get money to get it back. And he's going to be able to do so by bringing in Vandergroat. How much they, oh, $5,000 is how much that you can get for him. And so eventually this gets revealed once we get Ralph Meeker into play. And he's letting him know like, hey, that's torn off. There's money here. We're going to be splitting this three ways. Yeah. Janet Lee also shows up as Lena Patch pretty immediately at the top of the mountain. What do you think of Janet Lee in this? I think she was fine, except, I mean, it's, it's jumping a little ahead a little bit, but... Um, Jump around here. Come yeah. on now. We're uh, House of Pain. In this I was going to say, in the words of House of Pain. Immortal yeah. words. I think I didn't believe the romanticism between her and James Stewart. Like, I did not feel that No, it was more believable with all. her and Robert Ryan, and right. that's why I made every decision she made towards Jimmy Stewart confusing. And, right, and weird. And, and not, yeah. there was no legitimacy to it. You're just like, I, I don't get how this is happening. Right. It's against jumping specifically the ending just rang so untrue to me. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just felt, it felt, everything just felt forced in this movie. And, and that's what's fascinating to me is that, you know, a bunch of reviews, you know, contemporary and after the fact are saying like, oh, one of the best Westerns ever, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yes, this was Oscar you know. nominated. This yeah. Script. Yeah. Like, like the, it got accolades, you know, down, down the line. But yeah. Yeah. I but just, one of those accolades on the back here is from Leonard Maltin. Like, yeah, you know, who's yeah, a, the, a joke. Yeah, we laugh at him on this podcast. <laughs> at most, it's the first, first time he's been mentioned on the podcast, by the way. But. Purposefully, you know, there's yes. been opportunities a dozen that he comes up and everywhere you're looking research wise, and you're like, I, I should put a filter on my my Google Chrome yeah. that says no no Malton. Yeah, you gotta take him for the grain of salt. I, I like his work with like animation cartoons. Maybe he's the one who got this cartoon on here. Like I, he has like a weird, like he's good at preserving those and getting things to come out and made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, if I have to take the hit in that regard, I can take it, but yeah. Yeah, I don't care what you think about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to cartoons, sir. But then you get Roy Anderson. He hears some these gunshots going on and that's Ralph Meeker, AKA Mike Hammer. He's been discharged from the sixth Calvary. And he's also, 
morally unstable, as we find out. Yes. We, we get to see his discharge from the cavalry. And it says, this guy is a loon. He is also great fun in this. I really liked his performance. Yeah. The mustache, the whole vibe. Like, he's cool as hell. Yeah, he was my second favorite character. Yeah, yep. Those are the, yeah him, and, him and Robert Ryan were the only two things I really liked about this movie. And they'll get you through it. You know, I mean, I like the scenery. I, I, I would love to see a good print of this movie because it is Technicolor, and, and Technicolor yeah. is always very lovely, and these are lush California and Colorado settings, but... Right. If this got a really good 4K scan of, you know, a good print, I think it could do a lot for it, for sure. But it just, it looks so just flat and just, just not visually pleasing at all it just, it just felt like a like a tired print you know what i mean like it just felt like you're watching something on like yeah. an old tv set or something like that it just did not just got yeah you got, you got just the rabbit ears yeah just did not was not into it lena janet lee she's been traveling with robert ryan because robert ryan was partners with her father they robbed banks together back in kansas and he was killed and and Robert Ryan felt some kind of obligation to take her, take care of her, yeah, take care of her, but also, you know, basically, hey, come do crimes with me, and I'm sure your father wouldn't want me to do anything that's been happening here, including like hitting on you and everything. Yeah, and so yeah, around this point, we're finding out that Howard Kemp, he's he's no lawman. He just wants this money, and of course, he's driven by greed, basically. Mm. And who better to convey these complex emotions than James Stewart? Exactly. Uh, and James Stewart and the director, they actually worked together quite a bit. This was, I think, their second or third Western together. Yes. Five yeah. that they had done. But also, Anthony Mann, he, he enjoyed working with Robert Ryan as well. And they, they reteamed many a time. Mm-hmm. Not just exclusive to Sir Stewart. Vandergroat, really, the whole time, he's trying to play everyone against each other. He's, he, he knows he needs time to put together a plan and, and to just figure out how to get out of this. So he starts playing everybody against each other and he has Janet Lee kind of warm up to Jimmy Stewart and also a little bit to Ralph Meeker because he sees Ralph. Ralph Meeker is like laying it on thick with her the whole time. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, this could be good for us. So do your thing. Kind of like Ralph Meeker in the last movie, Kiss Me Deadly with his secretary, you know? Right. So turn it around on you, sir. Yep. So we just kind of continue. We're going through water trees we're in a cave at one point a lot of excuses to find rocks for robert ryan to huck at people you gotta have those rocks there were a lot of rocks just around everywhere in this i mean it, right. is, it is the rocky mountains area i mean yes absolutely <laughs> so i guess it makes sense you're right dan this movie rocks and <laughs> <laughs> in, in in some some way yes so there's a Blackfoot tribe, and they end up shooting Jimmy Stewart. They're after Ralph Meeker because he had assaulted one of the chief's daughters. Mm-hmm. They, they don't like that. Who would have guessed? They're yeah. trying to get their revenge, but they're able to get away. But with Kemp taking a bullet, and this makes everything a little more complicated. This is where Vandergroat yes. starts to see, Vandergroat, excuse me, yeah. uh, starts to see his opportunities. Yes. Which puts us in the cave, and of course there's more cave-ins. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to get us out of this movie at this point. Yeah, I mean, basically he, he uh, uses Janet Lee as a, as a decoy to try to cozy up to him, and then he escapes out of the other side of the cave. And, you, and this is especially where it gets confusing with Janet Lee's yeah. motivations, because right. she talks to Robert Ryan and Jimmy Stewart like, seems like completely honestly to both of them. So I, right. I don't even know what her motivations are. 
at that right. point at all. So. Well, I think, I mean, she has, I think, some motivation to obviously, you know, the relationship she has with Robert Ryan maybe as like a, a some type of protector. But I think she does still kind of dislike him because he does treat her pretty awfully. I mean, he does all the stuff where he's just oh, like, yeah. hey, can you give me this shoulder rub, you know, all the time? Loves his shoulder rub. Lo- loves a good shoulder rub. But he, he definitely mistreats her throughout the entire film. I mean, between that and coming up, I mean, he literally uses her as another decoy and basically kicks her off a horse when he yells, you know, a snake as a decoy. Um, literally throws her off the horse. So, like, yeah, I mean, he treats he's her He's hucking rocks awfully. at women. Yeah, he's just, you know, I, I, it made me feel bad for her. But again, I agree. Like, yeah, she's just not, I, I don't I don't see the connections. I don't see the, the close connection between the two of them. I mean, they try to they try to foment it throughout the film, but it does, I just don't see it coming together. Yeah. Well, speaking of not seeing this come together, let's keep it going. Uh, <laughs> we're all sleeping at one point, and Robert Ryan is able to make a deal with Jesse Tate and Lauren Mitchell about letting him go free because Jesse Tate's starting to not trust Howard Kemp as much. He really got into this because he thought he was a police officer, and yeah. now he's just a, a greedy guy, just like everything else. He doesn't like what he's seen. So they make a deal where he's going to take him, Robert Ryan's going to take him to a gold mine that he, he has in exchange for his freedom. But then he all, Robert Ryan also was like, you know, I know I can't just tell you where this is. I'm going to show you because I know you're just going to run off. Otherwise, we got to work together on this. You tell me where to dig and I'll see that your gal is provided for. Don't try to horse trade me, Jesse. I ain't going to tell you where my gold is, but I'll show you. I knew that's what you've been scratching for all along. Trouble is, I don't trust you no more than I trust them. Why, you don't have to trust nobody. Even if you don't fancy my gold mine, you still got me all to yourself. Now, that's saying I trust you. Say I tell you where my gold is, you might still turn me in. If I make a deal, I stick by it. At least I wouldn't have any partners to worry about except me. What do you mean, you? If I did it, now just if, it'd be an even swap. You go loose and I get the gold mine. Now, that ain't fair, Jesse. I got a right to some of that gold. Fair or no, it's the only deal I'd make. And it's a poor deal, no matter. So they get away and they take Janet Lee, which was a mistake. You totally should have left her. Yeah. Especially just considering their relationship at this point, you know? Like, there's nothing worthy of grabbing her. But I don't know, maybe he just still feels that obligation to her father. I think it's that, and it's the, the decoy, too. I think that was all part of his plan. You know, I That's think right. he was tr- trying to use Because this is where we it. get the, yeah. the snake coming up. Yes. And, Watch out for snakes. Uh, so he, when he does this distraction, he grabs Jesse Tate's rifle and shoots him. So he's dead. And yes. this is where Lena's like, all right, I'm going all in on Jimmy Stewart. So instead of getting away, he's like, oh, there's a spot where I could huck more rocks at him and shoot at him. So I'm going to go with this yes. instead of making time of this limping man. Who's yes. After me. So he easily could have made it out, but he doesn't. And he stays up there. There's more, uh, let me lasso my way up, but it's not working. So Jimmy Stewart takes his spur off. And <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I was worried at first. I mean, it was bad, but it, w- it looked like it was going to be worse. I thought he was just going to yeah. be able to climb it complete with the spur, but he used yeah. it to chip away at some rock to get yeah. some grip. Little better, but not worth it. And yeah. uh, what's coming up with that spur is more ridiculous than yes. anything like this. So the, is this the, this is the titular uh, naked spur. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that we're we're because we need looking it, for you know the yeah. spur was so essential to the title and plot of this movie yes that they had to put it in there and they had but, to use the word naked because that's what attracts people to the theaters back in those days yeah apparently. i'm not coming to this movie at all it's the only reason we did this thing was that it said naked 
That's how I get you like a lot of movies. Naked Kiss better. You have, you have not enjoyed either of our naked movies. You are, you are not the average viewer of the time, it seems, Dan. So. Well, I think they're always misleading. Um, I think. Oh, okay. I guess if I had yeah, to pick the nudity, one. Where's the nudity, huh? Yeah, I guess if I had to pick one, I guess if we're comparing them, I guess I would say Naked Kiss I probably enjoyed more because it was more seedy and more film noir-ish. As much as I love a good Western, don't get me wrong, but I just, I, I love Westerns, but this just, this, this, this isn't it for me. <laughs> I just, I just wasn't into this one. I, I, I felt so disengaged from this movie. I did like it, but I mean, I can't say run out and watch it. It's just, it's like a, if I saw this on TCM, you could watch it for the afternoon when it's right. on and you wouldn't feel like you waste your time. Be like, hey, really good Robert Ryan performance. Always good to see Ralph Meeker. Simple on a Sunday afternoon, if I'm bored, it's on TCM, like you said. Yeah, I, I might watch it. But other than that, yeah. That's about it. So I don't know. They try to f- figure this out, and he throws his naked spur. Jim Stewart throws his naked spur at Robert Ryan like a ninja star. Yes. And uh, he falls off the cliff into the water. And Ralph Meeker's like, we got to get this guy because this is our this is the, the money here. Also, the whole time this was a wanted dead or alive, same price thing. So easily should have killed Robert Ryan just right off the bat. Right. Just take that corpse back with you. But we'll find out that it's not, I don't know what this whole thing was for in the end, but um, Ralph Meeker tries to get him. He gets pulled into the, or he's like goes into the water and tries to grab him because he's lassos him, right? Like, isn't he able yes. to? Yeah. And he gets down there too. He gets like, stuck. He gets stuck on a rock. And there's like heavy waves coming, and then the, this tree branch comes at him, and he's dead. They're both dead in the water, but he's able to get Vandergroat's body out. Jimmy Stewart is, and he's like, he already has told Lena to come back with him to wherever. Is was he from Kansas as well? I think so. Yeah. Okay, so to Kansas to buy this ranch back, which hopefully is for sale. I mean, do we even know? He's trying to get it back. What was the ranch whole thing with his ex-wife fast, you know? and stuff like that? So I mean, that was part of it as well. His ex-wife was in the right. Totally should have left him. Mary sucks. Yeah, Mary was right. Well, I was kind of laughing because he kept he keeps like Mary, Mary, Mary and it made me think of uh, it's a wonderful life. Um, sure. So that kind of cracked me. But I wonder if that was a nod to that or not. I don't know. Which came first? It's a wonderful life, definitely. That was 1938. Oh. So that was considerably early. Yeah, but it wasn't really popular at that point, right? Like it's a yeah, it I guess get not. Popularized until much later. That's true. But it had been out for a bit. It was like so. a failure. Yeah. yeah, I think it, like it was regarded yeah. as a bit of a failure. I mean, yeah, no, it definitely got steam as it as it got on television later. Television, on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, steam. We should take a little bit of that to finish up this episode. Uh, real quick, real quick. Can I can I take one quick detour? So I, I want to go back please. one second and something that I I still don't. The one thing I really didn't understand about this movie is I get that part of the part of like the whole tropes of this movie is about greed. I mean, that is how this whole movie is about. But what I didn't believe was Jesse being so gullible to think that Robert Ryan was being honest with him about, A, he's not from this area. Why would he have this, this gold stash somewhere? But in, didn't in he actually have gold no, stash somewhere? I don't I think so. I thought they were headed. It sounded like they were still headed there. No, I mean, this was a complete ploy in my eyes. Like, I, I thought this was just like, let me just get him alone so I can get rid of him. No, I heard, I had taken it as he had done so many crimes and they never really recovered any of this stuff. And he had it stashed away somewhere and he was able to bring this guy in. I mean, I, I, end result is still true yeah. or not. You don't trust Robert Ryan. Like, right. clearly he's got something up his fucking sleeve. Right. Like, you just I, take off. I saw it lose. You kill Robert Ryan and just go collect that money yourself. Just take off. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it's like I, I saw it as a ruse that, that, the whole time. That's a, that, that was where I – that was my perspective on it. Like, I, I totally – I didn't believe him one bit, and I saw that as, like, 
the way that he he just carried himself with it, I was like, that just sounds so fake to me. But knowing that Jesse's like a prospector and he's so he's in, you know, I think he sees like like tunnel vision of like, oh, I can go get more gold because he's yeah. him earlier where he's panning for gold in the one water source that they're at, the one river they're at. Using so, his hand. Yeah, I get that. So I think that's probably what his motivation was, but I, I don't believe he had a, any stash at all. I think he was just playing him. I feel like I remember afterward, he was still saying to Janet Lee, like how they were going to go to that place in California. Like, I feel like that was still, it was still being hyped. Like there was, there was still something, but right. I, I don't know. But yes, regardless, don't I'm don't in trust Colorado. Him. Like, I think like, he made it seem like almost like the gold stash was in Colorado, like was like close. No, no, by. he said it's in California. Oh, he did we say that. We still have okay. to go. It's back in California. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I don't think we could save the movie with this change of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I just I that was something that I think I I just been kind of trying to reconcile with, I guess. Totally. I mean, but again, you don't trust him. He's gonna shoot yeah. you exactly like he did. He, you're I mean, still in the Rocky Mountains, surrounded by rocks. He is ruthless. It, it, absolutely. It, it's the best written character. I think his motivations are on the page. Again, if you want to stretch it a little bit, you could say that, like, yeah, I mean, that that could still be considered. I mean, I think it is, like, there's, like, this, you know, really dark undercurrent in this movie of just, like, yeah, like, greed yeah. and just, like, um, you know, just how much of a villain he is. And, and, yeah, I mean, you could see that in a lot of film noir as well. So I, I feel like... A lot of Westerns, again, though, too. I don't right, think Right, exactly. Exclusive. I agree. I agree. So, again, I'm just trying to, you know. That's a big stretch. Right. I'm trying to trying to make it worthwhile. We're trying <laughs> to look listeners, though. So, hey, maybe yes. there was a reason you, you, you came and did this one. But yes. we forgive you. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we're having a good time. We're having a good time. Yeah, you got the beautiful Dreamer has been playing throughout, too. Sort of. Like, I felt like it was kind of off from the traditional version, but it was familiar enough. Yeah, and I don't get where that comes in. Like, why? Like, why it, just, it seems very random no, to me. Very um, random. I, I mean, especially here we are at the end, and he's saying, come back with me. He hucks this body over the, uh, the horse. We're going to head off. And she's so against it and saying, no, we should try something else. I'll marry you. I'll marry you like you asked me to earlier. Don't, don't collect this money. Even though this guy is dead, and it was the whole purpose of everything. Right. Other people have died for this cause. Yes. And you're just going to bury it. Hate it. I, I mean, would, I guess that, that's... I'm Jimmy Stewart. I'm like, uh, I'm going out for cigarettes. And then I'm digging up that body and I'm, I'm selling it instantly. Yeah. I, I think, I think obviously, the point is that they're trying to say is like that the love, trying to bring him out of that darkness of just worried all about money and trying to go after that versus you know finding love in someone else and just starting a new starting over and starting a new life and not looking back i think that was i guess the intent but yeah i agree like i thought the ending was kind of it just felt very blah and even it had like almost like a trick ending like it it, it, it i thought it was over and then and then they went to the, like the, the stereotypical like off into the sunset almost thing where they're, they're riding because i thought it was over at that point i was like okay that's it that's fine and then they kept going because I literally was about to get up from off the couch and stop watching it. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm done. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's got more. I was like, you're kidding me. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I was just not in it. I was not in this one. I'm glad I didn't suggest this one. Yeah, the, that's that. These are the two takeaways I have from this. Yeah. I didn't suggest it, so it's mm. okay. I'm not, and I'm not putting that on you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we both went in blind and there's almost like just google to blame you know like it's yes. not us yeah and i got you to say that you like naked kiss more than this so that's all yes i'll take it it seems like it's almost like a ploy a little bit oh yeah and both the best ones always a universe together, right the universe was plotting 
Well, you know, the big god up there, he's a big fan of the show. <laughs> uh, all right, fun facts. Let's see if they could be more fun than we have. Yeah, it was Oscar-nominated screenplay, which was pretty rare for a Western, but uh, did not did not win. Robert Ryan teamed up with Man Again in Men in War and God's Little Acre. That's mm-hmm. an interesting title, huh? Yeah. We'll have to ask uh, our friend God about that one next time we talk to him. <laughs> Oh, and this was released in Spain. The title was changed to Colorado Jim. That would yes. have been a fun title, huh? Yeah. And they changed Jimmy Stewart's name from Howard Kemp to Colorado Jim. I bet, you know, hey, you're in Spain. You get this movie. You're like, we got to fix this somehow. The best we could do is change this name. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure, like, the enjoyment probably went up, like, 7%. I was say, I probably would enjoy it more if his name was actually Colorado Jim. He seems like a Colorado Jim. But I think the thing is that he's not from Colorado. He's in Colorado now, but... You know, how would he get that name if he's not from there? They ask us to suspend so much disbelief, Dan. Yeah. That that one is fine. Okay. Can, You're if, okay if with that. While we're here, why not be from Colorado? Maybe he's really good at Colorado bounties, you know? Yeah. Or maybe he just really likes Colorado a lot. It's not like Kansas is that far over the border. It's the next state over. That's true. It's not that far. We're taking further credit away from this movie. That horse ride, not so far. Yeah. You got Ralph Meeker and Robert Ryan. You like those two, the stars of this movie we considered. Check them out in the Dirty Dozen 15 years later. Mm-hmm. You like Dirty Dozen? I feel like I watched it a very, very, very long time ago, and I, I barely remember it. Like, I feel like I watched it on TV or something. I should probably revisit it. Probably time for a revisit. Uh, yeah. also, that was directed from Robert Altrich from our last episode, Kiss Me Deadly. Mm-hmm. There's your connection from the last one. And he, uh, Robert Altrich also directed Jimmy Stewart in The Flight of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So all these guys had a bit of a connection with our old friend Aldrich. Uh, oh, yeah. I got some fun facts about the, the guys who wrote this movie. How about that, Dan? I'm, I'm ready. You ready to have some fun with, with Harold Jack Bloom? These guys really were both from television. So these, these are big big TV guys. Robert uh, Harold Bloom, he helped create Emergency. You remember that show? From the I used 80s? to love that show. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Well, from the, it's from the 70s. Yes. Yes. Although he really only contributed mostly to the pilot. Uh, after that, it seems like it was taken away from him. Uh, <laughs> so that's mm. a shame. He also yeah. uh, did a pass on the James Bond film, You Only Live Twice, but they actually didn't use the script at all. But a lot of the ideas were used from Roald Dahl's screenplay. I always forget that he wrote <laughs> yes. a Bond movie. And I so gotta he, say, that's like one of my least, I'm a huge James Bond fan, and that's actually one of my least favorite ones. I, I watched that like the least. I'm not, that one's not that great to me. You like, you like Robert Moore? Or, Roger Moore? Moore? Roger Moore. Jesus Roger Christ, Moore? Yeah. yeah. Um, I do. It's it's he's not my favorite. He's he's fine. I don't I don't mind. Pretty low on the list for me. Yeah. I yeah, actually like the, the older that I get, the more I really do appreciate Timothy Dalton. Like Timothy I Timothy Dalton's my all time favorite, obviously. Yeah, I, I think I think those two it, movies, especially that first one. Is right. I was gonna say Living Daylights is maybe my favorite. I just love that movie. I love the locations, I love the plot, I love... And it's fun to have an 80s Bond, too, you know? I mean, that's such a right. fun era for movies and, and influences, so it's, it's yeah. nice to see that version. And I, I, I really like Daniel Craig. You know, get in and out. You only need two movies. Yeah, I really like yeah, Daniel Craig, too. Good. I'm looking forward to... I mean, uh, I'm not ride or die with Bond, you know? I, I kind of am. I, 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 like, I'm a huge fan. I've been a huge fan for a long time. I am? Yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty ride or die. So Sean Connery, your number one? Well, like I said, I think T- Timothy Dalton's kind of just nudged him maybe a little bit, but I-, I think as far as like, obviously he's like the original for the like the movies, and you know I-, I think he's in a lot of the best ones, and he's good in yeah. that role. 
yeah, I mean, I think of all time, I mean, he has to probably be the best just because of like, he has more, like there's more that he's done comparative yeah. to the other ones, yeah, especially Timothy Dalton. But yeah, I think he's probably the best. I mean, I, I love Goldfinger. That was like one of my other favorites. Like, I mean, that was one of the first ones I ever saw. I feel like that was the only good Pierce Brosnan one, though. Well, you're thinking of uh, Gold. Oh, God. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking of Goldeneye. Goldeneye, yes. Yeah, Gold. Goldfinger is, yeah, the, the older. The classic. Yeah, yeah, Pierce Brosnan actually is probably my least favorite. Yeah. I don't need a 90s Bond. That's not a good time for a Bond. Well, Goldeneye, I think, was definitely the best of the bunch, but the other ones after that were pretty rough. Um, that was yeah, kind of a I mean, that, that's, that's what I was trying to say. Um, yeah. They gave us good video game adaptations. I, mean, I feel like that's, that's the best thing he did for us. Oh, yeah, Goldeneye. I mean, I played that game. Goldeneye was great. Day. I remember on the first PlayStation, there was like a Tomorrow Never Dies adaptation that was a lot of fun. Like, mm -hmm. you could ski in it. That's, you don't want to ski if you're Bond. That's, like, that's half the battle right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good time. So, that was cool. Yeah. Where's Lazenby? He's kind of eh, too. I mean, he only did the one. It's a good movie, though. I think I, I've, I've liked it more with each watch. I, it's not necessarily – I think it's a better movie than his performance. Mm -hmm. It's also tough, though, because you got Diane Rigg in there. And, yeah. Know, I, love, I love me some Avengers. Yes. No, I, and, yeah, I agree. And, and I think that's a common thing that people say, you know, if, if Sean Connery had actually did that one, it would probably be the all-time best. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, but the thing I like, especially that era of Bond, though, even though they were changing actors, like the continuity was still there. So, like – right. You know, with her, you know, they get married, but then, of course, spoiler, she gets killed. Yeah. But that has resonates throughout the franchise for a bit until right. it, it doesn't. I think that's what it is. I, I do like that movie. And I, I just, his performance is, is like my least favorite part of it. Like, I, I think his performance isn't all that great. But I like the movie in general. Did you watch that documentary on, on him and that whole thing? I wanted to. I didn't get, I didn't get around to watching it yet. It's a fascinating backstory. It's just like an Australian mechanic who just ended up into the yeah. role. Like, yeah. So well, I did know that. I did know that background. His background. But I, I don't know the whole story. And yeah. like he chose to tap out. I believe like it was his choice. It's like it's very interesting. Well, I will say that my um, what I think my most underrated Bond film is probably Diamonds Are Forever. That movie is such a bizarre movie, and I actually got a chance to see it on the big screen. They did actually yeah. like an anniversary uh, of that for whatever reason. They showed that film of all the Bond films like that I feel like that one's such a one that's just not ever talked about or people don't like but uh it's such a ridiculous movie I don't one know of the best songs Diamonds Are Forever yeah one of the best Bond songs I had to pick a favorite Bond song I, I think part of the reason why I like Living Daylights is I love the Pretender song Ooh, uh yeah. at the end of that the, if there was a man like I love that song yeah um, and Living Daylights the, the the theme song is good too it's pretty rocking so yeah uh those those are two good ones so hey, we we got we got to get some good Bond discourse in here. So I'm, that makes me happy. All right, my last fact is there was Sam Rolfe. He was also from television. Mm -hmm. He got to continue writing western stuff. He was on the the show Have Gun Will Travel. Mm -hmm. And then also he was a writer on The Man from Uncle. And, and yes. Took over the the writing role and then the show running and really had it come together. He came up with the Uncle acronym actually. Oh wow, that's so, interesting. That's all I got. We're free of this movie, Dan. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 in detour. so many ways. It's been on the list for so long and it needed to go in that, that regard. And then as soon as watching it, it was like, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy, indeed. We, we, we let our listeners down. So thank you for sticking with us. Yes. Well, I mean, that, it, it just goes to show you. I mean, sometimes you can miss and you can have a discourse and, and you know. I think it would be different if we came, if it was one of us coming into it like, we believed more in the film you right. know 
and then it was like, really? Like, what do you, what do you, why? Instead of, I think both of us immediately recognized what we were in for here. Yeah. I, I think this is definitely like very, very, very borderline. It's Western and it's like, I can't it, even give it the borderline. I, I can't even make yeah. these concessions. I, I can see how you would try to make them, but I just, mm. I, I don't believe in them at the end of the day. I just, okay. just straight up a Western film. Any kind of argument you can make for it being kind of noir is just stuff you find in Westerns all the time. Mm. You know, these are, these are shady people <laughs> in a yeah. shady world. That's a changing America. You know, these are the original film noir, you know, if anything, we, we've been ripping them off, you know? Yeah. Apologies to Westerns. Could be the pilot episode of our Western podcast, I guess, right? Backdoor pilot, yes. this one. I say, yeah, this 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 will be the, the launching point for our, our you know, spinoff. The Naked Pod. Or Have Pod Will Travel. That's the one. <laughs> have Microphone Will Travel. Yeah. We will, and also, we will not travel. That's a lie. Yeah. I'm going nowhere. The nope. Gentleman Joey Studios are where I'm located. Yep. If we found some fun studio way, that'd be that might be interesting. In a bunker somewhere, yeah. I just wonder what our dynamic would be if we were like face to face, you know? Yeah. Who knows? It certainly would be and this episode <laughs> was definitely a step in that direction as far as internet connection issues go. Might as well have been in the same room. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Dan, apologies to the listeners again. I think we're really gonna have to make it up to them. So we should probably go ahead and bring in a film noir classic for next episode, huh? I think that sounds good. Here's one for you. What do you think of 1950s D-O-A? Have a nice trip, Frank. Sure, Kitty. See you when I get back. Bon voyage. I want to report a murder. Who was murdered? I was. One I've never seen, but I've always heard that name in the in the I'm film noir world. This. Wow! Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it. Okay, I'm very much looking forward to this episode. You guys like 180s? <laughs> yes. Check out the next episode. What episode are we on for this one? I should ask earlier. This episode is episode 36. So I always so... make a point of writing down what movie and year is going to be next. I should probably write the episode numbers down. I'm sorry. What did yeah. you say? I, I talked right over it. Uh, episode 36 is this one so doa will be will be 37 37 yes but no i i've i've read about doa i've known about it i've just never seen it um and i ha- i've had the dvd and I've, I've been holding on to it just to watch it fresh for the for the podcast so i'm 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 in- i'm definitely intrigued by it from what i know of it um so i'm yeah. ready i'm ready to uh let's see if it's worthy it. of the classic title yes i'm ready to say- cleanse my palate and get away from this uh, this movie experience. So. I'm going to say it's been so long since I've seen DOA, mm. I don't really even remember how I feel about it. So I'm, okay. <laughs> I remember almost, the gist of it. It's got, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll remember as I'm going along, but that, because like you were saying, you always hear about it. Yeah. That, that I, I just, that one was immediately there. So I was like, oh, let's check this one out. Right. Yeah. It's like one of those things, sometimes the ones that are so in plain view, you tend to sometimes not disregard, but you kind of push aside, like, oh, I'll get to it. Exactly. Like, you, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, you, you either to, get to it or you right, don't. Right. Uh, and I think this was definitely a, one of those in my case. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I know one issue with it, too, is it's because it's, a, it's this is one of the most like famous public domain film yes. noirs there are, probably because of its notoriety. Yes. Um, but I mean, I would put it up there with like detour level of, of well known being a part of its, its 
allure or not allure, but just what people know about it is that right. it is public domain. It's like yes. at the top of the Wikipedia article, if you will. There wasn't always a good print of it available. Right. I'm not even sure what the best print is now. I haven't looked into this yet, so we'll see. Well, the DVD version I have, I'll just let you know, is I, I got an alpha video DVD, which historically are not necessarily the great, but I found it like super cheap. And I figured I've seen it online on YouTube and other places. And I was like, you know what? I, I was getting some, a couple of things from this other place online and they had it really cheap. I was like, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll take a risk yeah. on it. It was only like a couple bucks, maybe like two bucks, three bucks. I was like, I'll take it. I'll take a chance on it because I know it's probably a really good movie to just have that if I want to rewatch it, I could always watch it. So we'll, we'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed that the print is at least watchable. We're doing the definitive review of DOA, but I also need to point out, you just crossed your fingers. You did it from the middle. I've never seen anything like that before, Dan. you never seen that? No, this, I, this is where I see fingers crossed right up front. I, I, don't, I don't think I can do that. Oh, I guess I can. That's how I do it. I snap like that, though, like weird from the wrong finger. I don't really? snap from this. I do that, too. I do it from the second one. I, well, the second one I came to, I got to go all the way to the third. Oh, wow. I was never a strong snapper. Neither, neither was I. And I can't whistle either. So I can whistle. Yeah. I think that's where the gift went. I was gonna say I think my, my musicality came in other forms and, and but oh, not, like... not 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 whistling. <laughs> Playing <laughs> instruments and having actual musical talent. Sure, yeah. I guess. But us whistlers, uh we're, we're we got something else in mind. There's a whistler on uh Jag Jaguar. You see that? No. She like it's like a a musician whistler. It's an really? album of whistles. Apparently it's pretty interesting. I mean, I heard, I heard a snippet. It was, it was whistles coming from someone that doesn't is is not able to whistle. I am fascinated by that. I I would I would be curious to see how that if someone has that prowess, I I give them all the power. Like that's. Great. I, I feel like I gotta look this person up for for a legit shout out. Yes, I think they would appreciate that. Molly Lewis. Okay, I'll add that to the list of uh, things. Maybe to I can, hold on. Maybe we can uh, play a snippet here. Check it out. Do it while you work, huh? Whistle while you work, indeed. All right, Dan, let's wrap this bad boy up. I think it's ready. I think we're. I think it's time. I think this episode is dead on arrival. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> not the next one. So. Well, thank you for joining us. Again, we are sorry, but we won't be offended if you skip this one. But if you sat through it, thank you. We appreciate yeah. it. Meantime, I'll tell you what we're we're uh, doing a cheers for this time the crime that we committed on the listeners huh? yes <laughs> the cri- Here, here's the crime of, of the time this episode. we stole yes yeah we did it again dan Ding. even if i'm gonna do a hoy hoy for this one i feel like we're just hey little little extra something for you okay welcome to this bonus show just a little something we wanted to say hey we're, we're so off the rails already this week with with our western movies yes. that why not keep up the fun a little related but not anything that's gonna take away from a future episode so yes palate cleanser if you will 
You know, we, we scrambled our brains, which of course led to scrambled eggs. That meant we were seeing yellow, which of course meant we're going to be talking Dick Tracy. Yes. 1990. How's that segue? Perfect. <laughs> and now I want scrambled eggs. They're tasty. Yeah, that's, that was pretty good. No, I, scrambled I, eggs? I, I actually hate eggs. I don't eat eggs. Eggs all together. Okay. Yes, I don't, I don't eat any eggs of any consistency. All right. That, that does not surprise me now that you've <laughs> said it. Like, I wouldn't have guessed it, but it's like, yeah, but all right, I'll take it. It just grows me out. I, I think no matter how I've seen it prepared, whatever consistency it is, I just does not look appetizing to me. Um, you never like had a secret egg you bit into like, a, and then you're like, oh, that's good. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's egg. Well, according to my parents, apparently I loved eggs when I was a very little kid, but then I, I grew oh, they out love, it, apparently. Parents love pulling that move. Like, oh, that oh, yeah. thing you hate now is because you, used you loved to love it as a kid. It. Yeah, you probably go, yeah, burnt out on it or yeah. just didn't know enough flavors at the time. Right. Yeah. No, I just, yeah, it grosses me out. Can't, can't do it. All right. Well, speaking of getting grossed out. <laughs> Dick Tracy. A movie uh, near and dear to my heart. When did you first see this movie? Very honestly, like right around when it came out. And I was very young when this came out. That's um, what I was going to say. I didn't, yeah. I don't remember. I remember this movie getting it from the, the video store. Yeah. And being semi excited. I mean, the, the thing about this is, this is one year after 1989 Batman, which was just mm-hmm. a juggernaut, the biggest yeah. thing in the world. Mm-hmm. A, a surprise for, I mean, it, it seems like a no-brainer now, but at the time, it, you know, Batman was seen as Adam West camp. People were against that. And then all of a sudden, this just changed the lexicon forever. And beyond just blockbusters, promotions and advertising and toys, like, yes. it was it was so big in that regard. And so after that, so many studios were trying to replicate that for themselves. And Dick Tracy was already in production at this point. Mm-hmm. When, when Batman came out, so, I mean, it wasn't, influenced in that way but they did then hire Danny Elfman because of the Batman score and it's very hard not to think of Batman every time the score goes there they're quite similar mm-hmm. and then uh and then also Disney this is what Paramount so it is definitely Disney I don't know if Paramount has Touchstone, touch, Touchstone Pictures yes Touchstone Pictures yes. yeah so which which was uh you know basically Disney they owned it it was yeah. just a way for them to put out PG-13 movies because what what is this rated this is rated. Actually, this is PG, is but but this, but this this is like you know eighties and early nineties PG, which was a little bit pushing the envelope. Yeah, because you could tell Disney knew this too, because it's PG, but they didn't put it out themselves. They were too chicken to do it, so they did it through their subsidiary, and they were all over this thing, and they were trying to replicate the Batman success as well. They were expecting that, and in a way, it kind of hurt the film the way it was seen, the expectations put upon it. Because, you know, they're just trying to make a Dick Tracy movie and all of a sudden it's expected right. to be a huge blockbuster. I mean, I'm sure they wanted it to be successful, but not this new thing that had just started that everyone's got to try to play into. Right. And, and you know, they're, they're trying to walk that line between, you know, marketing both to adults and kids at the same time. So it definitely pushes a well, little bit. Well, here's the thing. This, times. This, this, I, it was... I say it's a film for adults, but it was marketed to children. Like For sure, yes. Watching this thing, I can't imagine... Any kid really is understanding it completely. And I think that was a lot of the issues, just like it went over so many kids' heads. And also, I mean, just one thing that's hard, this is the strangest thing for me to say, and I I can't ever think of an instance where I would say this again, but it's like, it's almost too comic accurate. Uh. (laughs) It works against it in a way, like, especially like Warren Beatty insisted on only using uh, the limited color palette from the comic book. 
mm-hmm. which is insane. And so there's like, and, and also it always had to be the same shade too. So it's like just constantly clashing with one another. So in many ways, it's, it's an ugly film, but it's a very beautiful film. I mean, that, it's, a, it's a tug of war of emotions the entire time. But I think that's this. what I love about it, though. I, Absolutely. I love it. I love it for that. For that, it's it's almost like a a two D world. You know what I mean? Like and, yeah. And, and, and but in like nothing the best else way. looks like this thing. And yes. when it works, it works fantastically. Yes. And when it doesn't, it's got that egg Dan doesn't like all over his face. I mean, uh, there's that that scene in particular when they're walking up when Big Boy and 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 his lackeys are walking up, and, it's, and you're seeing the the DA from behind at the cemetery. Uh, yes. and, and he's and he's like walking towards him. Just Dick that, Van Dyke that, is the DA, yeah, which, exactly, by the way, which is great, amazing. Um, everybody, uh, everybody is. I mean, we'll get into it. But yeah, yes. I mean, there's, so, there's a, I mean, that I think that's one thing. I mean, the star power. But I'm saying that as far as set design goes, I mean, that's one in particular. Like that's a scene that stands out to me that like, I really just love. That I think that's great. And also, it's very. <laughs> everybody has prosthetic makeup on to make them look like the the comic characters, except for Dick Tracy. I mean, Dick mm-hmm. Tracy, the the character created by Chester Gold, is like a very distinctive look about him, like. Yes. Big hard edged nose and Pretty chin. Jaw. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Warren Beatty was like, no, nah, I'll have none of that for myself. But everybody else, have fun in the makeup chair. Yeah. I think it was him and Pacino. Pacino had one that he, like, I think Pacino kind of crafted a little bit more himself, but all the other characters were based on the comic itself. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's my understanding. Yeah, I, and I always had actually mistakenly thought that, like, the kid wasn't part of the comic and even Breathless Mahoney, but they both are actually... Yes. originally a part of it. Mm-hmm. They are. And I know that the, the kid was in a lot of the Republic serials and the movies throughout the, the 40s, the 30s and 40s. Oh, um, yes. That, and, and, and yeah, comics Tess accurate. And, yeah. That, I mean, that's a thing. And that was something I was going to ask you. Is like, what did you think of those characters where it, it, it's kind of a, a tradition, a trope, where like you have that main character and then they're like, let's throw in a kid sidekick for the children to identify with. What did you think of those? Did you ever like find yourself being like, you know, I, I want to be Robin or like, were you just like, you know, I'd rather be the main guy. I think in this regard, I didn't necessarily identify. I, I just, you know, at least if we're talking about the 1991 specifically, I think that's probably what I would speak upon. I would say that like. I guess I just mean conceptually, because that's yeah. something that was always, you know, it was always introduced. It's very much why the orphan, the kid exists. Dick Tracy Jr. as he later is known as. Right. But that was one of my least favorite things about the movie. Like I didn't I didn't focus on that at all. Like I right. was way more into like, you know, the plot and just the char- the main well, characters, the other main characters. And that's characters. why I always thought he was added on because it is so yeah. unnecessary. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really come through for anything. You think like, oh, he's gonna be a witness or something because he's witnessing crimes, but that doesn't really play out. I mean, he has a he has some couple a couple moments that obviously add to the the plot and so forth, but um, it could no. have been anybody. Yeah, anybody could have done that. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike the character, and I don't in, in any sense, but just like it doesn't. He's again, not, it wasn't no, my focus point. Yeah, he's not like annoying or anything like most kids no. can be in that situation. But some funny moments between him and Tess. They have some good banter. I think she has like all the good dialogue throughout the movie. But the two of them specifically, there's like the one scene where uh, she says, like, "You want a broken arm?" <laughs> you know. Yeah, stuff, after he takes like the that. money off the table yes. at the diner. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, and I, I'd say Tess needed more too, like, mm-hmm. to do, unfortunately, in this one. But yeah, what you get of her is pretty good. Well, I will say, I mean, part of the reason I think why, you know, when this came up when we were talking about this after the last episode is, you know, I kind of 
at least confided in you, and I, and I feel like you might feel some of the same ways. Like this was kind of like, even though it's not necessarily considered a, a, a true quote unquote film noir, this was kind of like my introduction to that wor- type of world. Like the 30s and 40s, sure. like gangsters and, and detective work and shadows. And th- th- obviously this is very comic booky, but like just that kind of pulpness of it. This was kind of like my gateway into this type of world. And I think this is probably where I started getting into this type of genre. And I think this is actually a gateway into, you know, getting into film noirs as I got older and got mm-hmm. to appreciate cinema. Um, so I think if anything, as much as this may not be, it has a, a lot of elements, obviously, of film noir, but I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily characterize it as that. Um, I mean, there's enough that more, there's, it's enough for us to be here doing this. Right. I mean, there's a femme fatale. There's certainly way yeah. more than what we just came from, the naked spur. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you got the femme fatale, you got the shadows, you got, you know, the good guys and bad guys, the detective on the, on the case. Yeah, mobsters. Exactly. Yeah. The whole thing. No, it, it definitely, I, I, I can see that. Trying to get, he gets framed in it, like, you know, has to clear himself. I mean, there's a lot of that type of, type of vibe. Um, but I think for, uh, it also made me think of as I was, I was preparing for this, thinking about, um, I actually did like a quick little uh, deep dive on eBay, just kind of going through like all, because I had every toy that you could imagine. I mean, there's so much merchandising for this movie. Oh yeah, no, and you were exactly what they were hoping would happen. Yes. They, what they got out of you is what they wanted. Oh, I mean, I had everything. And that, and that leads me to my, one of my surprises is that one of my favorite things was the Dick Tracy NES video game, which I'm holding the cartridge up. I'll, wow. have to, I'll have to send you a photo, so maybe we can post it on the on the the social so you can see it. But I actually love this game. Um, it gets a really bad rap because it is a very difficult game. But I would just play this hours on end. Like I was, a, I mean, not notwithstanding the Coles. I think I got very close. Like I think I, I I started to get what you had to do. You know what I mean? Like I got pretty far along. I don't think I ever beat it, as far as I can remember. It's been a long time since I played it. But uh, I was thinking, like, oh, I was like, I got to see if I have any, like, Dick Tracy memorabilia ha- handy. Because, like, I feel like a lot of it, I feel like I probably have stored away somewhere. But um, that was the one thing I could find really quickly. So I thought I would uh, share that. But, yeah, I mean, I was obsessed. I mean, I had I, everything under the sun. I had the watch. I had, I kind of divulged you. I remember I the watch. I would probably say the watch was probably the most successful yeah. bit of merchandise they put out there. Kids love gadgets, you know? Yes. And that's and that's really the only gadget there is at all. I mean, you know, I don't know, a Tommy gun maybe, but they weren't really marketing those to us. But yeah, the, the watch was was a big deal. That that was effective. I remember kids had the watch and, and, and right. you know, we would talk into our wrist, you know. Exactly. It, it was a big, a big deal in its day for sure. Well, I, I forgot. I mean, I had that, but I also remembered as I was going through the, the eBay stuff, there was actually like a belt that you could get like a, basically like a gun belt that had a bunch of ga- like some gadgety kind of stuff on it. And it had like this, it, it was a belt buckle. It was like a, it was like a metal belt buckle that said Dick Tracy on it. And I, <laughs> and I remember having that cause I remember at one point the belt buckle, I guess had become detached and I just saved it and I still had it. I don't know where it is right now, but I remember, I remember that, that distinctly that belt buckle. And I was like, Oh man, I had that. Like you have those moments where you're like, I totally forgot that I had that. And I did, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely a trip. I would say the best piece of, of merchandising was there was a comic book adaptation by Kyle Baker, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. Check, check out anything he does. But it was three issues, and the first two were like a prequel to the movie. Okay. And then the third one was an adaptation. And oh. He just has a very unique style. And, and I don't know. It was, it, it's, that was a common thing in its day of comic adaptations of films. And 
sometimes it would be awful, but a lot, most of the times they'd get really interesting people because, you know, it was a, a big paying gig for artists. So you actually attract top talent. It, it, you'd get some really cool results. So yeah, for sure. That's one I would say, go to eBay and look up. Will do. Favorite scenes of the movie, I would say you got, I mean, the one that's the best scene is I, for me at least, is when Al Pacino is, is, is teaching everyone the, the song and dance and <laughs> more. And, yeah. And him just like going, going at it and like singing along with Dancing. Madonna. Yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, Al Pacino in this thing is, is why, for me at least, why you're coming. He is just it's, having it's a blast and uh, feels like he's improv a lot, you know, just, having just letting loose, having fun. And yeah, he, he came to play. It's, it's great. Can't, what about Dustin, can't Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> I'm not a huge Dustin Hoffman fan. I don't mind him. He's fun. There's, I mean, now I'm older, I, I find it funny, kind of. There's a lot of mo- there's a lot of moment, times he was making me laugh, but then there was another times where like he's just making a face, like he's just like, "Look, guys, I'm Dustin Hoffman," you know, in a in in on the joke. It was a little too. I feel like Al Pacino was really getting lost in it, and you know, Hoffman was just doing his mumbly thing. But but it, yeah. it, it, I, I was chuckling a couple of times. It I, mean, I, I can't deny, but. It bugged me a couple times, but I then also, hey, coming off of Godfather, you're also getting James Con in here, like yep. that. This, that must Pacino, have been a nice yeah, Pacino and Con, yeah, as mobsters, you know. Yeah. So and this is, I think, a good palate cleanser of, of Godfather Three. Yes, I would agree. I think my favorite scene is probably the scene at New Year's when they're trying to escape and they're all in the cars in the garage at, uh-huh. at the at the Club Ritz, and they all go out and the, and the the police are all around them and. And it's the big like standoff where they're, they're, they they come barreling out of the the garage, and then all the you got all the Tommy Tommy gun fighting and stuff like that, and just like everything, just like there's explosions. It's just like you know, I remember even when I was you a kid, like I, that. I'm so surprised because this, my one big criticism of this movie is there is no action in it whatsoever. They just there's a scene where Warren Beatty is just shooting a Tommy gun. They're like, let's throw off an explosion behind, and make it look like. Like something's happening. He throws one punch, Dan, the entire movie. It's like that little montage where it's like the whole group of, of, of thugs and he, and he punches them, that one? Okay, two punches. One's in a montage, and then the other yes. one's at the end. He does punch Al Pacino at the he end. He does, uh, yes. But two punches, Dan. I mean, come on. That's not, you just expect a little bit more, like a little, some roughing up some suspects or, or something, but they just relied so much on explosions and, and Tommy guns and... And a lot of the, the, the set action set pieces, like when the kids getting uh, Dick Tracy like out of the basement when he's tied up was just yeah. like so anticlimactic. It, it just Warren Beatty, not an action director, I would say. But everything yeah. else was is very enjoyable. Like just the, the moments and, and the, the characters are great. It's right. just I, the, the, I just you expect a little more, especially as a, a child. I remember that was mm. a big thing. I'm just. Not, not enough happening on this one. See, I, 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 I see that, but I, it didn't bother me. I, 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 I just liked being in that world. Like, like for me, that like it was it, like a, there was like an escapism in that world for me for whatever reason. Like, I, I just really enjoyed being in the in this world of of all these characters. Like, you know, like you said, like just like with the makeup on and just like all the villains and stuff like that. Like the scene where they're all together in the boardroom and stuff like that. You get to see all of them, like Prune Face, and then you got James Con and. You got all those guys. That's a great scene. The even the beginning's great. Like when they have all the all the guys in the makeup that are playing cards and you know flat top. Great stuff. I, I get. I just it's not enough for me. I need I need more than that. I need. You want I more? Need, and I, is, is, is this where you put the you put the song in? It is now. <laughs> 
recommend this movie and still come to it is because it is what works about it is so cool like it, it's yeah. such a, a unique looking movie there's art deco-ness to it yes in in the set design and again just like the the bizarre choice to limit themselves to the those colors it yeah. just there's some beautiful mistakes that happen that uh is worth the price of admission i gotta say though yeah that scene the, the more and more and more scene you know it's working if your eyes are not on Madonna and they're on Al Pacino, like. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's something that, like, I got, obviously, more as I got older, just a lot of the innuendo that was going on specifically oh, between yes. her her and, and Warren Beatty, which, you know, I, I also didn't realize at the time that they were dating in real life at that time. So, I mean, that right. obviously added to the, the spark. But I uh, feel like by this time, I was already attracted to Madonna. Like, I remember... I mean, yeah. Very early when I was like, when I'm just like, oh yeah, girls, I like this sort of thing. That was one that, of course, just the, the time of the late 80s and early 90s. How could, you know, how is it yeah. not around you? But I remember just being like, Ooh, I mean, she looks amazing. And that's a beautiful movie. woman. And, and she yeah. is spectacular in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And the songs are great. The, the, oh, the yeah. Stephen Sondheim. I like the, the songs better than the score, actually. Oh, yeah. The songs are great. And in this one of the songs won an Oscar, you know, mm-hmm. it, and the best makeup and art direction also won. So I mean, it, the the Oscars it it won, I think, are actually much deserving in all of my compliments of the, mm. of the movie. It's just a fun movie, like like I said, like, like even you know watching it as an adult now, like I have you know obviously a little bit different, some different perspective on it, but I still have the same feeling. Like I was watching the other night, and I'm just like. I just really, I've seen this movie a ton of times. I still love coming back to it and watching it even at, at this point in my life. It's a good time. I, when I think, I think of like four movies when I think of this one, because it was just that post Batman and also just some old characters, either comic strips or, or radio serial characters. They were trying to make the movies, but I think of this one, The Rocketeer, which came out mm-hmm. the next year, I believe, based off of Dave Stevens' comic book from the 80s, actually. So that's mm-hmm. a little different category, but it's based in the 30s and 40s. The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. Yes. And then The Phantom with Billy Zane. Yes. So I think of all, I kind of lump all those four. They have the same vibe to me. And and actually, after watching this, watched all those trailers. And I'd be curious, you've seen all of those, of course. I think the only, one I, I, the only one I've, I, I, the one I remember the least is probably The Shadow, but yes, I remember, I've seen Fair all enough. of them, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, I would say like this one and How The Phantom. How would you rank those? I mean, it would probably be Dick Tracy, Phantom, Rocketeer, Shadow. Okay, I guess I was mainly wondering how, because I know you like The Phantom. Yeah. Which way you'd rank it. See, I would put The Phantom over this. And watching that Phantom trailer, for one, it's weird because they don't <laughs> advertise Billy Zane being in it at all. No. Or yeah. let him really talk, but. That thing is rip-roaring exciting. It's such an adventure movie. I mean, I guess that's sort of a different category in the sense it is more adventure than action-y. But um, I don't know, just it, it, there's so much happening. There's Catherine Zeta-Jones in that one. <laughs> there's everybody um, having a great time. Yeah, it? I think it just because I, I, 
I just loved Dick Tracy so much when I was a kid. So I, I feel like I'll have that nostalgia for this. But yeah, I mean, they're pretty close for me. But I would say if I had to pick one or the other, I would pick Dick Tracy over, over Phantom. But I do love Phantom. Don't get me wrong. I, I watched it not that long ago and I, I still enjoy it. Holds up. Yeah, because that one's like, that one really is like a mix of like, if you took Dick Tracy and like Indiana Jones and like put it yeah, together. Yeah. And that's, Absolutely. and I love Indiana Jones movies too. So like that together, it's like, yeah, that's, that's an easy sell for me. Like, I also think that as far as like the Phantom is such a timeless concept, like it's such a yes. cool idea. Right. And I think it transcends so many of these other ones, which feel a little rooted in their time, which is why they never really make contemporary versions. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I always want to like Dick Tracy. It's just every the, the whole all encompassing Dick Tracy, not just this movie. And there was some comic that came out a couple of years back from some creators. I like doing a Dick Tracy run and picked it up. And I don't know. I, it just it doesn't get me. I don't, maybe it's the yellow. Yellow is not one of my favorite colors. Huh. See, I, I yeah, I get it. I, I think uh, I just look it's at no it Flash and... Gordon, you know, like I, I'm just yeah. trying to think of the ones that really got me back then. And like mm. that would be one. I don't know. I guess also maybe I just I didn't get into like the noir sensibilities until much later. Like I other than like when Batman would get into that sort of thing. But right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I was like not seeking it out. But I mean, other than this, when when would you say it kind of came into our came at us? What film noir in general? You mean? Yeah. Like what mainstream thing was kind of doing like riffs? I mean, I could see like little moments in TV shows where they do like a riff. But yeah, I think that's what I was like. I remember a lot of TGIF like shows like in the nineties would do like an episode where like, you know, somebody Some would, comes by, you know, and yeah, like a detective or something. Right. Or somebody gets, somebody gets like hit in the head and then like, they're kind of like delirious. And then they, all the characters come in as like a forties, like, almost, right. Like a, like a dream a, sequence or dream something. Sequence where it's like a big sleep rip off or something like that, you know, where they're like in the room and, um, Very biased, paint by numbers, those ones. Yes. Yeah, I think there's like a, I'm thinking it, it, there's like a Family Matters episode. I think that's like that. You know, there's a couple no, other well. ones. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, that was definitely a trope, too, that I think also kind of, like, seeped in. Now I kind of want to see that Family Matters one. That sounds hilarious. I'll see if I can find it. Um, That'd be I, a fun com for us to put together. Or if, if uh, the listeners might know of some they want to send in to us, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. I'm going to look it up right now and see if I can... Uh, so the episode is called Farewell, My Laura. Wow. Which is perfect. Maybe we can try to get some, uh, some clips from that episode. It's from 1992. Perhaps that'll be another bonus episode in the future. Yeah, it's from season three, episode 25. It, the description on IMDb says, Urkel composes a detective yarn about 1940s era gumshoe Johnny Danger, who is sent to protect supper club owner and assassin target Rachel. Yep, I remember that. That's that's this, it. Yep. This is starting to sound semi-familiar. And yes, but I, hey, season three, Family Matters. That's that's a good time for the yes. show. I love you that know, show. As good as it could be, I enjoy yes. it. I, I don't know yeah. if I'd say I love it, but I, I said loved. I loved it like when I was a kid. I mean, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll enjoy it if it's on. It's like a fun nostalgia. I like where you're at now. Okay, we're good. I mean, you're welcome to love Family Matters. No, I'm not trying to shame any family and some Urkel lovers out there. Yes. It's a good time. It's a nostalgia for me. But I, yeah, like that that was like one in particular I remember from my TGIF days that I distinctly remember that being. I mean, they were the, the TGF. They, they get you. They got the night started. They were the ones who were yeah. the first call to God to let them know thank you. I mean, that was like everything to me when I was a kid. I remember like Friday nights, we would go get Pizza Hut, maybe go to Blockbuster or West Coast Video, get, you know, run a movie for the weekend. And then you go home and once eight o'clock hit, you were that was your you night. Go. You watched yep. TGIF step by step. Yes, Boy Meets, uh, World. Boy Meets World, Full House. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Don't know if that will ever come back. Never liked Full House. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely one of my least favorites, but I, I, I watched it. Like, I, I didn't mind it. I would tolerate it. Well, yeah, what else was on back then, you know? I could see you being, like, a dinosaurs fan. I didn't love dinosaurs, but I did like it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I mean, I think... I, Dinosaurs was more successful in merchandising to children than, than Dick Tracy was. Yeah, I did have a lot of his action figures. That's true. Yeah. I do remember that. I mean, it was if the 90s. Boy, you want to just talk about merchandising. Wow. I, I was tempted to do it. We can get a soundbite of, uh, of Mel Brooks and Spaceballs. Merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I, uh, that's, of course, when that kind of thing started was, you know, around Star Wars and everything. But sure, yeah, I'd yeah. say by the time we got to the 90s, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not talking to much children about uh, toys and stuff these days, but I, it just seems like I don't know if kids are getting that as much these days the way we were getting it. They were hitting hard. Yeah. Well, I, I have to think that now with technology, everything it's seems just evolved, more, right? Right. It seems more, I don't want to say less imaginative, but kind of like I think it's more geared towards like iPads and phones and internet and stuff like that. I mean, we didn't have all that stuff. So I think part of it was like, you had action figures and like, that's what you did. You collected them and you played with them. And I mean, at least that's what it was for me. I mean, that was like me, like something to do, you know, that was something yeah. that, that, that I, I did versus or playing video games or something, you know, that was what we did. There wasn't much else there. <laughs> um, I mean, you could read or watch TV or, or watch a movie or something, or maybe go outside for a little bit, but that was, that was what you did. Maybe go outside. Yeah. Maybe. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I used to go out and play some sports and stuff like that, but sure. I, I preferred to be, be indoors, I think, if I had a choice. I was more of an indoor kid. These days, I don't know if kids have a choice. It's too hot out. Oof. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're melt out there. I can't yeah. imagine. Because, I mean, I feel like back then it was just easier to take the heat, but also it just wasn't as hot. The globe mm, Global warming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, global warming is, is only <laughs> on worse. Just switch? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. You know, let's keep an eye on that thing, huh? Yeah. I'll be watching. Another Pacino shout out I've got to give before we'll wrap this up and I want to bring up our last point is when he calls Dick Tracy dumb, a dumb dick constantly. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. Cracks me up. I mean, that's worth the price of admission alone. But love, love Dick Tracy. Uh, and love it and, ha- and criticize it, but mostly love it. Great time. So he, there was a big rights issue with Dick Tracy after this. And Warren Beatty said he had an idea for a sequel around like the early 2000s. I think it was like the Tribune who like owns the strip. They had their plans for a sequel, but apparently it was like a very carefully done contract. So there's a back and forth. And at one point to keep the rights, Warren Beatty had to film at least like a half hour's worth of content for a Dick Tracy thing. So he, <laughs> he, he aired this thing on TCM and it was like randomly on TCM. And he got um, Letter Malton to interview him as Dick Tracy, as a much older, I think this was like 2009 or 2000, 2006 or 2009, yeah, mm-hmm. one of those, a much older Warren Beatty <laughs> mm-hmm. improvising a conversation as they have filler with these people like parking attendants and also a history of the character. It, it's it's bizarre. And I sent you this today. I had wondered if you had known about this. Uh, I was curious to get your thoughts. I had not seen it. And I watched it right before we started just to see it. It was, I really didn't know what to take because it was just like a little, there's just like little bits of history about the evolution of the comic strip and how it kind of snowballed into the Republic shorts and then into the movies and the different actors that played throughout. 
Yeah, it was just bizarre. And, and he was talking kind of like he was just Dick Tracy. He wasn't actually Warren Beatty. Yeah, no, um, that's just it. He was like, yeah, yeah, he's Dick Tracy. They would talk about Warren Beatty and be like, yeah, he's all right. He seems to think a lot yeah. about himself. And like, right. he, sh- he sure looks like me, though. That was his bit he kept doing. Um, yeah, it just seemed very weird to me. I, I wasn't I wasn't that into it. It, it was insane it seems like there could have been a much better way to do something like that do do a little 30 minute short as dick tracy you know like yeah but i imagine he wanted to put no money into this whatsoever no. conversation with leonard mullen uh, yeah, this, that, this that's on you youtube get. dip into it yeah that's about it <laughs> i think it made me think of because and i actually just started it a little bit the one thing that i, I never really watched as a kid i mean i, I watched the cartoon that was mm-hmm. out in the 60s but uh, the original 40s movies, I never watched. Right. And I think all of them are on, they're like, most of them are public domain and they're all on YouTube, I just realized. Or well, and Kino, right. Kino's been releasing them too. Um, have they? Yeah, they have like a four movie collection of, uh, of those that you oh, can I get. I didn't know that. Is it yeah. Blu-ray? I'm not sure if it's Blu-ray. I think it actually might be. I mean, at least minimum, obviously, DVD. <laughs> hmm. And minimum VHS, Dan. Minimum, they put that thing on beta. I think you're making that up because I'm not seeing it. It's true, but the DVD portion is where <laughs> my lies end. Kino DVD. Hmm. Not finding it. You'll have to Uh-oh. find that and send it to me. Turns out I'm a dumb dick. <laughs> I mean, if, if, that is, if that exists, I would gladly get it. I feel like this was true, but maybe I'm thinking of something else. I, I mean, I hope I'm hoping you're right. I'll put a note at the uh, in the episode if. Uh... A fact check? Yes. (laughs) A little little edit. I mean, I I think that's what I was going to mean. Typically in general, like if I can find a physical copy, like that's my go-to. So like, you know, I I did a little bit of searching and, and, you know, it wasn't really coming up with a whole lot for those. But then I just happened to look on YouTube while I was watching the special. I was like, oh, I mean, I think, like I said, a lot of them are public domain. So a bunch of uh, YouTube channels have, have posted, I guess, like bargain DVD quality prints, which are, you know, good enough, I guess just to watch. I mean, they're all like about an hour, a little bit less. I mean, I, you know, it's basically like watching like a hour serial or TV show or something like that. So I can make my way through that. There's always time for that. I'm not finding it either. So I'm going to say I'm wrong. I'm not, I'm just going to go ahead and make that assumption, but Darn there it. was something they did. Uh, there was some serialized character I'll have to, to remember, but did you watch like any of the, like, there was like a sixties Dick Tracy cartoon apparently. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, I, oh, uh, sorry, it may have been when you were breaking up on me. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, no, I that I did watch that when I was a kid. Yes. What did you think of that? It was different. I watched it just because I, I, I was, you know, I was just look anything Dick Dick Tracy related. I was, I was on it, but it was fine. I mean, as a kid, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I haven't seen it in forever, so I don't know if it holds up at all. Did you, did you watch it at all? No, I just saw it existed. I didn't know if. if it, oh, yeah. yeah. I think the the problem is it's there's a lot of things in it that are, are insensitive now. Like there's a lot of like stereotypes that are, well, they had, I, I saw that they had created like characters specifically for the cartoon and they were yes. specifically pretty racist and, and full yes. of stereotypes. Yes. Yes. And I think that's obviously not good, but I, I you know, I, like I said, I, I watched as a, as a very young kid, but it's been a long time. Like I said, I was anything, anything Dick Tracy. If I saw it, Dick Tracy, and I was like, yeah, I need that. Like, I remember like I would go with my parents to, uh, uh, do you remember Kitty City, the toy store? No, I don't we think have we those? have that at, uh, in Connecticut. We have, yeah, we have one down here. I remember I would go in the store and like immediately beeline for the, you know, action <laughs> figures, you know, aisle that had those on it, trying to look for the blank, which was the, uh, that was the figure that was impossible to get. They oh, would adver- interesting. They would advertise it on the back of the card, 
but uh, you could never find it. And it come, you come to find out that they made a very small amount of them and it was made in Canada. It was only really released in Canada. Wow. So, yeah. Did so, you ever get one? No. I mean, I, I found one on eBay on that was on the card right now. And there was like a ton of bids. And it was like up to $3,500. Wow. I mean, it, 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 it is, it's very rare. I mean, that was like the most sought after piece of merchandise for Dick Tracy. I'll see if yeah, I the blank is one. cool. I was looking at, I just looked into that because I was wondering if that was from the comics and it is, but it, it wasn't Breathless Mahoney. They mm. just mix that, that together for the end there. Yeah. 3,500. It has, it has, yeah, That's characters cool. with no faces are cool. Yeah. Well, apparently there's a Funko pop vinyl of that. That's that's neat. I didn't see that before. I don't yeah. care for the Funkos, Dan, then. You don't? No, I think they're they're tacky. But this character, this this I see this toy here. It looks pretty cool. It's got a gun and a briefcase. Yeah, it was um so the the toy line was made by Playmates, who at the same yep. time was making all the like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. But uh, so they're very like bulked up you know oh uh, yeah looking uh that's so uh, funny i didn't even put that together that it was as playmates and ninja turtles it definitely has that mold yes. that kind of their, that stance that they have and the corner cool. here it has you know because dick tracy's on the box looking yeah. like warren Beatty, and it's got his, his watch phone of course because like i said that's what we all love mm-hmm. and it says calling dick tracy the blank wiped out a jewelry shop does it say that for each character? Like, does it have a different watch saying? I also see that it has French under here, so that makes sense that it's Canadian. Yeah, so I, I just pulled up uh, one, for instance, I just picked up the brow, who's one of the, the gangsters, and it says, calling Dick Tracy the brow uh, has the wrist radio bugged. So I guess they do have different ones based on who... Uh, hey, Dick Tracy, this thing that's bugged, we're telling you it's bugged. That doesn't seem smart. There's got to yeah, be a better way doesn't. to tell them. <laughs> well, I'm trying to see how many how many figures they had total. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... I think it was like 17 I saw. 12, 13, 14 that I count here. And one of them is the blank. And now, again, it's on the back, but you can never get it. But I had every single one besides the blank. I had all the other figures. Those are always fascinating, those those toys that they advertise, but then for whatever reason don't get made or they're made yes. in like a limited exactly. capacity where they test so it somewhere. Frustrating. Yeah, I, mean, I can me, imagine. Yeah, for me, it's like, because I'm, I'm such a completist, even when, even at that age, I was such a completist and like, it just bugged the crap out of me. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I want all the figures and I see it on there. I know it exists and so, it should exist in some capacity, but it was impossible to find. And again, that was pre-internet. So like, how did, how would you know? Yeah. Exactly. That, that that was the reason that it was just very limited and it was, you know, made in Canada for whatever Pre-internet, reason. Pre-internet, man. You just had to assume so much. Like, I remember there was a movie, like a very V8, like straight to video movie called The Skateboard Kid. Mm-hmm. And it had um, a trailer for Roger Corman's Fantastic Four movie. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And then it never came out. And I was <laughs> like, did I dream that that happened? It was it, totally insane. Yeah. That's crazy when that kind of thing happens. Yeah. Thank God for the internet. Yeah. We can, we no, can find this stuff. Although, even though it's delivering bad news of, hey, the blank is like 600 bucks, but. Yeah. Um, like $3,500. <laughs> I know. 30, I have 3500 even worse. So, did they just make Dick Tracy and then all the, the villains? Or, like, did they do like a Breathless Mahoney action figure, all playmates? Stands? No. So okay. it was all, it was it was it was Dick Tracy, and then they had Sam Ketchum. He was the guy in the movie. He's like the one wearing orange. He's like one of the other detectives. I think Sam Cassell plays them in the movie, and then uh, the rest are all bad guys. Uh, most of them, I think, all you know, actually, all of them are in the movie. But what's interesting is some of them are like a bunch of the characters from the beginning of the movie that you don't see the rest of the movie. Like Steve the Tramp's one of them, and he's just seen in the very beginning. Uh, right. Ro- rodent and Shoulders are two of the gangsters that are at the card table and are instantly killed in the beginning. 
So it's like, I mean, I get it, they're gangsters, but they only in the movie for the first two minutes, you know, um, which was interesting. But yeah, they were all pretty much gangsters. And yeah, no, no breathless, no Tess, no kid. Um, it was all just, you had two, basically two good guys and the rest were bad guys. I don't know what the choice, what, why that was the choice, but. They didn't have, they, didn't why have, they do such things. They didn't have the comic relief of Pat, <laughs> the wonderful Pat, which is with the great scene where uh, they, they're trying to save Tess at the end. And uh, he's like asking him how much he weighs and he keeps <laughs> lying to him. Yeah, and then he leaves him down there. He's, yeah, I always thought about too. So he's stuck in there and basically saying, who cares? You know, as long as I'm out. Yeah, not even like, hey, I'll be right back. Or like, I'll let yeah. someone know. He's going to get you. He just runs right off. and He's determined. He's got to save Do you the even day. see him again at the end? Does he make it out? I don't think you see him again because at that point they're, they're chasing them up into the bridge, the drawbridge. Right. And yeah, you don't see him after that. So maybe that was Warren Beatty's idea for the sequel. It's like, oh, we got to fill up that plot. Pat, Pat's revenge. He's still, he's still stuck in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's, still, he's stuck in the attic at the Club Ritz. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that would have that been a great maybe post uh, credits, like where it's just like, guys? Yeah. Guys? I think if it was now, absolutely. Yeah. No, but great, great time. I, I love rewatching it. I just like, I just added the blue. I was, I was like, I just want to watch something fun. And I was like, looking through my movies. I'm like, Dick Tracy. I was like, there you go. I'm going to watch it. On time. And I had, a, I had a great time watching it. I had the, I have the Blu-ray, which came out a couple years ago, which uh, looks, looks great. looks fantastic. It's very, it, it's pretty, it's very affordable. I think it's only like usually 10 bucks new. Um, so definitely. Um, Any features on it? Worth it. Um, I don't recall seeing any. I don't know. I don't think there were. I mean, it, it says first time on Blu-ray digitally remastered with enhanced picture and sound though. Okay. So, I mean, it, it looks and sounds great. I will say that. I definitely. uh surprised Warren Beatty didn't want to do like a commentary here. Yeah, Throw that weird interview on as a bonus, you know? Yeah. It's a you very, would think it's, also like there's got to be some behind the scenes footage. Like, I don't know. I think there is on, on YouTube. I, I didn't watch it, but I think I came across one. So it exists. But for whatever reason, I guess they omitted it. Um, I mean, I saw footage from like the premiere and stuff. So there's a million, million things that could have come on. Yeah. I'm trying to look now and see. Uh, Dick Tracy behind the badge TV special 1990. Perfect. That's a classic it's, special feature if I ever heard of one. 22 minutes and 44 seconds. I guess I know what I'm watching later. <laughs> <laughs> All right guys, well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for for tuning in with the lads and uh we'll be back soon with the actual noir coverage. <laughs> Hope it was a good time for everybody. Um a little fun detour. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Also, Dick Tracy. There's yeah. With that. Come on. Maybe this is your, your gateway into more into film noir. Who knows? Certainly. It's email us or even comment with your experience with Dick Tracy, the movie. Oh, I also will say the poster, very iconic poster, oh, I would yeah. say. It's just, you know, mostly black. Yeah. So this ad is in so many comic books. And because of the newsprint printing at the time, all of that black has destroyed so many back issues of comic books because oh, yeah. all the black goes right on the the page right next to it so that's another thing that sticks out to me about dick tracy the movie is all the comics it's destroyed i mean it was everywhere at the time i mean it it definitely had a moment it died relatively quickly but it had a moment where it it was definitely hyped up much like this episode it's hyped and now it's dead and we're moving on moving on all right guys well here's to uh 1990s blockbusters yep critting (laughs) 